I have the honor and privilege of kicking off a series that I've entitled, All Good Things Must Come to a Start. See, the prayer that I have for you this year is that 2023 be the best year of your life so far. In scripture, it says you go from glory to glory to glory. There is never a mountaintop when it comes to the things of God. It is our task, though, to make sure that we're growing in a manner that gives us an opportunity to experience the next level. 2023, best year of your life till 2024. But you have to do first things first. And that's why this week I'm starting the series with the title, First Things First. You can find the notes on the Version app. But I'm reading from Mark 10, starting at verse 17. And it reads this way. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied. I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. God, I ask that you would guard my heart, guard my tongue. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would have your way. Even though we have our plan, you do what needs to be done. Don't just speak through me. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Keep me sensitive to what you want said. God, you have your way. You do what needs to be done. God, I speak a special blessing over these, your people, for their hearts, their minds, for everything that is heavy, Lord God. Help them leave it here. And walk out of here in your grace and power. It's in Christ's name we pray. Everyone agrees. Said, Amen. Um, so some of you may or may not know this, but I do uh, travel quite a bit and I get to speak a lot. And one of the things, though, is when I'm traveling, usually the people who are asking me to come, they take care of all the arrangements. They take care of the hotel, the airfare, all that type of stuff. They tell me when I can eat and all that type of junk It's very interesting that way. But every now and again, I kind of want to do something extra. Like there's some places you go and you're like, I may want to hang out a day or two. I don't want to go back just yet. Like if I got to go preach in Utah, I'm coming back the next day. <laughs> Los Angeles, me and my wife may hang out. You know what I'm saying? But I found myself in a situation like this where I was going to speak. I was going to Chicago and I said, hey, hey, hey. Uh, I'll handle the arrangements. I send them the receipt so they pay the stuff to cover me. I pay the other part. Now, I'm a, I am a planner. My wife will tell you, I plan stuff like way in advance. Like there are reservations for me right now in December. Like I schedule, soon as they tell you can book the flight, because the earlier you book, the cheaper the price. There you go. So don't, don't miss that. So I plan early. 
Well, I found myself, I had planned this trip and I had literally made the arrangements for myself to stay a little bit longer. So I got my own rental car. I paid for the hotel. I even made reservations at a dinner at a place I wanted to go to so bad. But I had made the reservation like eight months in advance. When you make a reservation, you got to give your credit card. So I go, I show up. I'm in Chicago. I go to the counter. Now, I've been booking with Hertz a very long time. When you've been with Hertz as long as I have, your name appears on a board. You get to pick up your own car. You don't have to go to the counter. I get off the plane. I get to Hertz and my name is not on the board. What in the world? I'm like, uh, excuse you. They're like, you got to go to the counter. I go into the counter. And when I get to the counter, they were like, yeah, we do see. I can show them the reservation number and everything. They said, well, there was a problem with your credit card. How dare you? Ma'am, there is nothing wrong with this card. It's a brand new card. Okay, I, I'm just going on. I'm, I'm on it. And as I'm beginning to just go through this litany of why I'm right and she is wrong, it hit me that I made this reservation like eight months ago. I got a brand new credit card like three months ago. So as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, uh-uh. I called a credit card company, and that's when it hit me. Like, oh, now here's what the lady says when I get on the phone. Mr. Ford, we understand, but we've been trying to have correspondence with you, and we've been calling you. Uh, we've sent you mail. You have not responded. I'm like, yeah, no, I'll answer your call. I'll answer your call. I pay the bill. You get your money. I get to go. What do I need you for? And she said, well, well there were some things that we were, we were having an issue we needed to confirm. Your address has changed, but you haven't. And she was right. I didn't change my address. I just changed the, the way you mail it. I said, y'all don't live there anymore. And as she began to talk to me, she was like, well, we've been calling you and we wanted to tell you this. And I said, well, why isn't the card good? She said, well, when you took the card out, what did you do with the sticker? Oh, the sticker across the top, took it off, threw it away. She said, it asked you to call us. <laughs> oh. My bad. <laughs> now, here's the thing about this card in particular, because this is not a card I use in my everyday life. This card is specific for traveling. So when I need it to work, I just want it to work. I don't want nothing else. In fact, as we're talking with this lady, she begins to share some information with me. She says, when you rent a car, do you pay for insurance? I said, yeah, because, well, first of all, the church is paying for the insurance, not me. And she said, well, you do realize you don't have to pay for the insurance. It's covered with your card. Didn't know that. We were trying to call you and tell you that. <laughs> Eventually, I, I get to leave. Had the same issue at, when I got to the, to the hotel. I was like, wrong reservation, but they took care of me. And I say all of that to say is if I had just given them a call when they were trying to talk to me, it may have been inconvenient, but it would have saved me a lot of house for that day. But here's the thing. I don't want to hear what they got to say. I just need the card to work. I swipe. It works and I keep it moving. The problem with that is it's one thing when it's my credit card. Can I tell you, we tend to take the same attitude when it comes to our faith. Mm. See, here's the thing. Yeah, these babies going to help me preach if y'all don't. <laughs> the reality is I want a faith that when I need it, I can get it but it has no effect in my everyday life. I want to pull on it when I find myself in a jam, when I need to swipe it, but it stays in my pocket the rest of my life. But then when it don't work, now I got to call the company. 
I need you. (laughs) Everything's falling apart. But here's the thing. Not like this lady, but we have a God on heaven who is trying to contact us and connect with us every day to give us the information before junk go wrong. Yet we only want to call on it when it's convenient. See, we want a faith that's built in a God who is faithful, a God who has got my back, but not a God who interferes with my freedom or my fun. We want a God who does what we want him to do when we want him to do it. And other than that, stay out the way. Scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added. But some of us want to do bad math and we want to add first. I want the things and then I'll decide if it's worth the kingdom. See, the thing that I say is we have to be careful that we don't come to God just out of convenience. Is the question that I have to ask, do I look at God as leading my way or just someone who's getting in my way? I have my agenda. I have my plan. I have what I want. I know how I want to do it. This is my life. My God, my life. Let me show you something. Jeremiah 10, it says, I know, Lord, that my life is not my own. When I started a place, when I realized that the life I live is not my own, it's not something that God gave to me to manage. It's something that God gave to me to steward. So even if I'm called to steward this life, he still has to say which direction we should go. The problem is sometimes the way God want me to go and the direction I want to go. Some of the things that he's asking me to do, it's not stuff I want to do. This is why I go back to this text that we read here in Mark. The scripture says there was a rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and he's called to Jesus says, teacher, how may I obtain eternal life? But he don't just call him a teacher. He says, good teacher. Ooh, butter him up. And Jesus says, why you call me good? Only God is good. But since you ask, you know the commandments. Don't steal, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't tell lies, don't bear false witness. Man, like, oh, that's it? I've been doing that my whole life. And the scripture says that Jesus pauses. He looks at the man with love. And he says, well, there's one thing you haven't done. I want you to sell all your stuff, give it to the poor, and follow me. And the scripture says that the man was down in his face and walked away because he had so much stuff. Now, I want to point something out here because sometimes we have this idea of who God is supposed to be as if God is supposed to make me happy. You know, God's supposed to make me smile. Do you notice what Jesus did not do when this man tried to walk away? Hey, come back here. Hey, 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 hold on, hold on. Let me give you a pardon gift. No, he heard what Jesus said, didn't like it, walked away, and Jesus let him walk away. He didn't change his standard. 
to make him smile. See, I know we listen. God loves you. He's deeply concerned with you. But it's not objective. It's not it's not his objective to make you happy. It's his objective to make you whole. And sometimes we have to understand as a good parent, sometimes you got to love your children enough to say no. I have a 10 year old and a five year old. They will eat gummy bears and cake for breakfast every day. And I can sit here and say, I want them to be happy. Or has God called me to say what is best for them? Let me help you out. There are some things that you want, some things that you're hoping to hold on. And you're like, well, why won't God just do it? God knows best and his no's are just as good as his yeses. The scripture says the man goes away. Jesus looked at him, heard the question and Jesus corrected him. Now, this is where we get in trouble. I don't know about you. I don't like correction. Because if I got to be corrected, that means I was wrong and I don't like being wrong. But the word says, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. Everyone he loves, he corrects. Maybe, just maybe, is that he loves you too much to let you go down the wrong way. Maybe he values you too much and cares about you too much to let you stay in the mess that you're making for yourself. When you look at it as not him correcting me out of punishment, but adjusting me to set me up for something better, it should shift the way we look at things. See, one of the things is we don't want to look at ourselves. Like one of the things I noticed, um, like I don't like to look at myself in the mirror in the morning. (laughs) My wife is over there. It can be rough. <laughs> but then when you have to look at yourself, you start to see what's wrong. And oftentimes when it comes to God, we don't want God to expose that stuff that ain't right. David prayed one of the boldest prayers ever when he says, search me, Lord, because you know my heart. Test and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and take it away. I was like, ooh, I, 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 ooh don't expose it. Because there's some things that I know that God don't like. If we're honest, I kind of like. There's some attitudes, some way I'm handling things that I can sit here and say, God is not pleased with that. But I'm not going to address it. One of the things I had I heard this week was someone says, well, Trey, you have to understand that's just the way I am. Now, let me help you out, because I didn't say this last service, but I'm going to give it to you this some. So this is for somebody and for myself. If you call yourself a Christian, you can never say that's the way I am. The scripture says whoever is in Christ is a new creature. All things pass away. All things become new. So one of two things has to be true. Either the Bible lied or you're not in Christ. Which one is it? We have to get to the point where we're saying, okay, God, if it's not like you, show me. Because here's the thing. When he tells this man this, he says, you need to do this first, then follow me. 
He didn't say, well, if you don't want to do it, you can still follow me. No, no, no. Obedience is the first step in truly following Jesus. So you can't say I'm following Jesus and not follow. You can claim to be walking with Jesus if you want and not follow. Notice he knew where Jesus was. He knew the goodness of Jesus. He could tell you, Jesus, good teacher, all that stuff. He even bowed down and worshiped Jesus. Understand, you can worship Jesus and not follow Jesus. You can say a prayer and not be following Jesus. Obedience is the first step. But here's what I also found so interesting. Notice Jesus says, you know the commandments. Typically in church, we know there's 10 commandments. 10. Actually, there's over 200 if you read the whole book, but we know the 10. (laughs) Talking about the ones on the tablet. Do you notice Jesus only mentioned six, though? Jesus didn't mention nothing about God. No other gods before me. Make no idols. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Why did he not even feel the need to mention that? See, he understood that this young man had a moral code, but no relationship with Jesus. See, righteousness is not a set of rules. It's a relationship. So he could have all the right stuff. But if you're not connected and doing it for the right reasons, it can be wrong. He didn't have that. You're doing all that stuff. You have a moral code. But do you have a connection to who God truly is? See, sometimes we want to say righteousness is an outfit. Righteousness is the way we go to church. Righteousness is obedience. Righteousness is saying when God say go left, I'm going to go left. Righteousness is when God say right, I'm going to go right. Righteousness is saying when I need to go to that person and ask them to forgive me, I'm going to go. To not do it, it's not righteousness. It's just a good idea. Because let me show you something. This is what really got me. You notice when the man heard what God or what Jesus wanted him to do, he walks away. Oftentimes we hear what God wants us to do. And whether you know this or not, every time you refuse to be obedient, you're walking away. But here's our problem. It says his countenance was falling because when he walked away, he understood he didn't qualify. Where we get in trouble is we think it's okay to walk away and God got me. And this new walk we got, we calling it grace. Grace does not move you from the will of God. Grace gives you strength to do what he says, not an excuse to not do it. You can sit here and play if you want. Oh, it's covered in grace. Truth moment, that's not in the Bible. Do not cheapen grace with your flesh. And make it something that feels good rather than change who you are. I can give him credit. At least he said, I can't stay here. And he didn't lie to himself and say, oh, well. But here's the thing I want to really get across. Catch this. At the beginning, he says he comes to Jesus. And he says, how may I obtain eternal life? Now, for the most part, we'll say, that's a good question. Right. That's the right question. That's what you should be asking. One of the things I had to be honest about is. Most of my Christian life has been about eternal life, and you'll see where I'm going here. I came to Jesus at age four. 
I would sleep on the sofa one night. Many of y'all know how my family get down. We have church on TV all the time. And when I woke up, there was a pastor on TV by the name of Jimmy Swaggart preaching about, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. For 20 plus minutes, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. There's a lake of fire. You're going to hell. It's going to hurt. Your teeth going to be bumping against each other. I ain't know what national teeth meant. I was like, I don't want to go to hell. If you don't want to go to hell, say this prayer. Man, I'm all in the television. Like, please. Yeah. Everything he said, I was saying it because I didn't want to go to hell. But here's what I began to think about. I was a part of a podcast with a group of pastors this week. Because many of us, we came to Jesus because we didn't want to go to hell. You don't want to go to hell. You don't want to go to hell. But let me ask you a question. Hypothetically, if I were to say there's no hell, hypothetically, if I was to say, don't worry about it, no one goes to hell. Hypothetically, if I was to say there is no lake of fire, hypothetically, if I were to say all dogs go to heaven, would you lose a reason for Jesus? See, what I have realized is I have been trained to have a faith that's rooted in fear of hell. Not rooted in loving God, not rooted in loving Jesus. I just didn't want to go to hell. So if I remove the hell equivalent, then I find myself not having any reason for Jesus in my life. Let me help you out. If you cannot grow and mature to a place where you love him, you do not have a relationship. You just have an insurance plan. You hope. See, the thing about it is, if that's what got you in the door. Last week, I talked about the star. The star was what got the wise men's attention. If that's what got you in the door, cool. But are you still in the same place that you haven't matured past, past the fear of hell? Have you gotten past, I'm scared of hell, of hell, I want heaven, or have you matured to saying, I just love Jesus for who he is? See, this man asks, how do I get to heaven? And Jesus didn't say you can get to heaven. He says you can follow me. That's what he is offering. But if I don't see the value in connecting with him, then I'm not growing closer to him and being who he has called me to be. See, I'm keep telling y'all this is the year of growth. I didn't tell y'all that when me and Pastor Rob discussed what we we're going to be doing for the new year. When I came up with this, this had very little to do with y'all. This had to do everything with me. I'm being honest. God told me, Trey, you got to grow up. There's some things you want to do, some places you want to go and some places I want to take you, but you're too immature to get there. You have to grow up. You can't just pray and read the Bible before you come up here and preach to them on Sunday. And then your Monday through Friday looks no different. You can't come in here and say, the joy of the Lord is my strength and go into my job place and acting like the devil. That's not growth. That's deception. And it won't work. So for this year, I said, God, where you want to go? He told this young man, he said, there's one thing you need to do. So I said, God, what's my one thing? And God laid out my one thing. It started last year. 
ain't going to tell you what my one thing involved, but that junk hurt. And here's the thing I'm asking you. If I can't fully follow, I'm not following at all. So the first thing we have to figure out is what do we need to stop so that we can start the right way? What is it that God is asking you to let go so that you can follow? What is God asking you to drop so you can pick up his grace? Maybe it's a job. It's a good job. But it's causing you to question your morals. Maybe it's a relationship. I know Valentine's coming. We won't be lonely. But, but can, you, can you be lonely with man so you can sit with God just a little bit longer? Can, can God bless you with something that can be exceedingly abundantly far above all you ask or think? Let me put something to you. God can't put something in your hand if your hand is already full. Or are we going to continue to have this mundane faith where we're basically walking away from God on a consistent basis? Or are we going to move towards him? It's going to be the best year of your life. But it's going to be based on your connection to God, obedience to his word, and your decision to be mature. I got that from her. And when we do that, then we'll be able to experience the fullness of God as he has for us. Drop whatever it is that's keeping you from walking the right path towards him. We are God designed. So we have to live God defined. And that's requiring us to be God aligned. God, we love you. God, we trust you. God, we thank you. God, we ask that in this moment that we feel insignificant. God, we decrease so you can increase. God, we ask that you be seen more than we have to be known. God, even in those things that seem so hard, God, give us the strength to be obedient. God, give us the willingness and the desire to push closer to you. God, we know that things are happening in the world, but even in the midst of your will, we can find peace and provision. But God, help us not just look to you for some stuff. God, help us look to you for you. Help our hearts grow closer to you and our desire for your will to overflow out of us. God, we pray your will be done. It's in Christ's name I pray. Everyone agrees, said.